So I'll now get into the Bible reading for today's sermon, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So please follow along with me. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. For just as a body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there'll be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, Next, miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. So, Amen. This is the word of God. Now, I'll invite Pastor Young up onto the stage for today's sermon. Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Young, as Tazor mentioned, pastor here at New Life. Uh, We have quite a few people uh, here today. You know, uh, last week at Refine, 
you know, we had a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, room around us. But this week, as you can see, um, there's a lot of people at the back as well. Um, we are in the process of getting more chairs, so do hang tight. Um, but I guess, you know, come a little bit earlier if possible. Uh, we do have PSP, which is pre-service prayer. It starts at 9.50. That's when we get together to pray for the service. Um, and maybe you can get a little bit closer at that time. And then, you know, people that come a little bit later can sit towards the back. Uh, that might be a little bit more helpful for us. Um, we're only a week and a half away from the beginning of Lent, if you know what Lent is, and then we're onwards towards Easter. And so we're not too far away from uh, the Lenten season. Uh, including today, we have only four sermons left in this section of our Corinthian series, United as One, and then we're into our Easter series. And if you don't know what Lent is, um, I'll explain more about what Lent is next week, um, how you can actually get involved in Lent in some uh, uh, significant way. Uh, now, a reminder that this section, this series, it's been focused around God's renewed humanity and how genuine humanness results uh, from true worship. And today, as you heard from the reading of the passage, uh, this chapter discusses spiritual gifts. And so that's what we'll get into now. Uh, how about I pray for us, and then we'll get into the passage. Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you as we gather together as one body made up of many parts. And indeed, uh, we have so, so many parts here uh, gathered here this morning. And we pray, Lord, because within this type of body, within this congregation of uh, this size, uh, it's inevitable, Lord, uh, that we might find reasons to disagree, that we might find reasons uh, to be ununited, to be disunited. But Lord, we know that your spirit works in us to bring us towards unity in your son, Jesus. Indeed, you've given the greatest sacrifice of all. Uh, you've given the life of your son that we might be found to be members of your family together, that we might call one another brothers and sisters in Christ. And that means, Lord, that we're part of God's family. And we want to know what that means. We want to know uh, what it means that we can call one another God's family members, that we can call one another our brother, our sister, and we want to know what it means to serve one another in the gifts that you've given us. So would you illuminate that to our hearts this morning? Help us, Lord, to receive what it is that you have for us prepared through uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Would you guide the words, guide the meditations of our hearts that we might be able to reflect upon this chapter, reflect upon the words that you have for us, the Spirit's work in our lives that we might be receptive to them, and that we might be able to change uh, through your Holy Spirit. Help us to love you. Help us, Lord, to submit our hearts before you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, a uh, number of years back, New Life used to be a very different church. Um, I think there's only a few people here uh, that were around uh, for that version of New Life that I'm talking about. Uh, when I began to follow Christ, uh, we had the annual retreat back then, which wasn't actually called WinterCon. You know, we hadn't actually come up with that kind of name yet. I think. Um, it looked a little bit different, you know, at the time when I began to follow Christ, um, the church was in a bit of a different state, you know, we had only recently uh, gotten a new head pastor uh, at New Life, you know, which seems to be a bit of a pattern uh, with New Life. Um, there was a lot of spiritual activity that was going on because I guess we really needed uh, some sort of wake-up call, but at the same time, 
and we didn't really have a lot of guidance along the way. And so a lot of the spiritual activity that was going on, going on around this time led a lot of people, including myself, to confession and repentance, forgiveness, and a seeking of Christ as Lord. But unfortunately, a lot of other stuff was going on as well. Um, so as mentioned, we didn't have a great deal of guidance, and it probably could have used a, a letter from the Apostle Paul, uh, to be honest. Uh, this chapter itself, it could have probably been our textbook for that time period in order to figure out the way forward because there was just so much confusion and disunity in the church. And a lot of that division resulted from spiritual gifts and the exercise of certain gifts. Now, Paul talks about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 here, and he tells the Corinthians he's concerned about them because of their potential ignorance about this topic. Okay, so read with me verses 1 and 2. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, so basically when you followed these other religions, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. So the Apostle Paul's concerned, and the question for us is, should we be concerned too? How strong is your understanding of spiritual things? We're living in a time period where rational thought dominates a lot of our culture. And so for many of us that grow up in a Western upbringing, it conditions most of us to try to logically explain everything. Now, I love logic. I love rational thought. But sometimes it gets to the point that sometimes people try to come up with all sorts of naturalistic answers for how certain miracles might have happened in the Bible. It gets to the point where sometimes we even think about how Christ was raised from the dead, and some people come up with all sorts of theories for how that could have been, that he didn't actually die maybe, that he might have just fainted for a very long period of time and then been mummified apparently. You know, we come up with all sorts of answers to this point. So of course, that leads some of us to doubt completely spiritual things. We push them as far away as possible. The flip side of the coin, at the same time, some of us have family ties where spiritual things get skewed in the opposite direction. You know, maybe sometimes due to an Asian background, I find that for myself, coming from an Asian background, this happens. We might have experienced all sorts of supersti superstitious thoughts when it comes to spiritual things. Or we've had relatives tell us about their ghostly experiences or about how they were completely paralyzed while they were sleeping because a demon was sitting on their chest or something. You know, something was going on with them. Whatever the case, Paul says something that we can take to heart as well. The Corinthians' previous experiences aren't actually helpful to them. They don't help. No matter what kind of experience they've had, their understanding of spiritual matters must be transformed by the revelation of the truth in the light of Jesus. It's in this that they can find unity, not in trying to figure out which spiritual experiences were valid then, which were invalid. No, we can find unity in this, rather than the fractured beliefs in many different idols and superstitions. After all, previously, they bowed their knees before all sorts of different idols in order to secure whatever blessing they could get, whatever gift or benefit that they heard that this idol was God over. So for people that were looking to have children, they would bow their knees before fertility gods. For people that were looking to get rich, they would bow their knees before agricultural gods. We might scoff at this, but some of us 
we've experienced this as well. But now, Paul reveals that it's only one God. There's only one God involved in all of this, and he's the one who provides a variety of spiritual gifts, as indeed he provides for our every need. Look at verses four to six. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. So as God provides for our every need, we have to ask the question, what does he provide these gifts for? What's the point of these gifts? Every gift is given as an opportunity and even a responsibility towards service. Every single one of them. Every gift that you have is given as an opportunity and a responsibility towards service. This is whether someone has a gift in teaching. This is whether someone has a gift in speaking in tongues. This is whether someone has been gifted a great deal of money. All of these things act towards service. The Corinthians have gone wrong, and we've seen that throughout our entire series. They've gone so far as to take whatever situation they're in as opportunities to boast instead about what they have, about how they made it for themselves, about how God has blessed them because of how special they are. They're elite, and this situation seems no different. Spiritual gifts seem no different for them as well. So as you can imagine, their method of focusing on themselves is in no way glorifying to God. No, proper stewardship of gifts should result in honor and worship of God. This is where your gifts should lead people to honor and worship God. When we gather together for a church service, what do you come for? What are we actually gathering for? Is it the sermon sandwich? You know, we have our, our songs, the sermons, the meat patty that everyone comes for. We have one more song at the end and then we leave because we're satisfied with our appetite. Or is it to receive the benefits of childcare? Is it to see friends? I don't disparage any of these things. We're not just coming for these reasons though. It's not just these reasons. They're okay reasons to come to church, but it's not just these things. It's not because we're used to doing these things or because the way that we do things here at New Life is comfortable to us because it's all we've known. No, we come together to worship God together. We come together to build each other up in God. That's why I think it's really important to come together for physical service. We build each other up. You are not the only ones being built up by your presence. You deprive others of your presence if you're not here. Glorifying God in the various gifts on display is really important because we see God in other members of our church. All parts come together to form the functioning body in which the presence and the move of God can be seen. This means that Paul puts in verse seven, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So the gifts we have aren't for us. They're to benefit the community that we're a part of. It makes sense, doesn't it? Everything up until this point in this letter to the Corinthians, all of Christianity points to this fact. All we are given is not for ourselves, but for the glory of God and to love those around us. Jesus distills it down to these very simple commands. 
So what are these gifts? Look at verses 8 to 11. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. It has to be said that this is clearly not a complete list of spiritual gifts because in various other letters like Romans 12, Ephesians 4, even within other places in the letter to the Corinthians, there are several partial lists of gifts that don't necessarily just fully line up with this one, okay? So we have reason to believe we probably can't come up with a truly complete list even by, comp- by compiling all of these partial lists together. There's more spiritual gifts at work. So these are some of the things that Paul mentions, though, and now that he's said what they are, we have to try to figure out what he's trying to tell the Corinthians and us by talking about these gifts. One thing that's completely outside of Paul's goal here is going into what these gifts truly look like. Because Paul's point here is to point out just how diverse God's gifts are in the church and the fact that all of these gifts are from the Holy Spirit. Now, having said this, do any of these gifts stand out to you? Do you read this list of gifts and you think, man, I really like one of those? Or, you know, it'd be really nice to see that at New Life. Earlier, I talked about these times when there was a lot of confusion and disunity here at New Life. You know, I, I kind of think of them as the Wild West days because there was just no law. Everyone just did whatever they wanted, right? And I don't know about others, but I was really obsessed with two particular gifts that come from this list, tongues and prophecy. But why? Why was I so obsessed with tongues and prophecy? Why were these gifts so impressive to me then? And why are these gifts so impressive to the Corinthians? In Corinth, there is good reason to believe that prophecy and tongues were the gifts that were being practiced the most. They were being valued over other gifts by the Corinthians. So what does Paul do? In his list of gifts, he places them towards the end, quite intentionally, because in a literary sense, he's trying to send a message to the Corinthians. Don't overvalue these gifts. Now, these gifts can be a little bit in your face. If you've ever visited a church that practices these gifts, they can be pretty confronting, okay? We have a variety of gifts here at New Life, whether gifts of faith enough to trust God in the most extraordinary of circumstances, whether people are sick in your family and you have no way out, but you trust God anyway. That's an extraordinary gift of faith. It might be a gift of hospitality and welcoming others and encouraging, but imagine that someone came through those doors right now exhibiting this gift of tongues. They just came on stage. Imagine someone from children's ministry, a child from children's ministry, just ran up on stage, grabbed the mic from me, and just started speaking perfectly in another language that he's never learned, speaking in in Maltese, which he has no reason to learn. It's not a dog breed that I'm talking about here. It's the language that people speak in Malta, okay? This type of thing can quickly become an obsession, though. Because we would hear this and it would seem so novel. How is this kid doing this? 
He's only eight years old. And we would think it's only God. It's so immediately noticeable that even the unbeliever would sit there and go, surely this is the gift of God. But it's not everything. Who's to say that the hospitable nature of our Sunday team or the way that our witness ministry might faithfully toil away trying to open up avenues for evangelism in our church or how children's ministry continues looking for ways to teach children of all different ages about Jesus. Who's to say that these aren't the ways that people will come to know and glorify God? Who's to say that these aren't the gifts that will bring unity to our church? I don't have the same obsession that I once did for tongues and prophecy. It's just not as important. But I know there are sections of the church globally that do this, and unfortunately, this misses completely the point of 1 Corinthians 12. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, it's so straightforward. The point of these types of gifts is whether or not they work towards the common good, whether or not they're used publicly to build up the church, to bring unity, or else solely in private for personal edification not to build yourself up and not to glorify yourself. The main focus is on that public ministry though and on the building up and how we treat each other. This is what Paul talks about the most in this chapter because we've been talking about the body of Christ. All throughout the letter to the Corinthians, this is what we've been talking about, about not dishonoring the body. We're, not par we're part of the body of Christ, the church, and our bodies are members of Christ because we're united with the Lord we're one with him in spirit. We make up the body of Jesus Christ. This is each of us individually, which means that each one of us makes up the body and the body has many parts. Verses 12 to 14. For just as the body is one and has many parts and all, parts, all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. So all of us who can call ourselves part of the body of Christ have experienced one spirit and become part of one body. This is conversion. This is how we come to know the Lord. This is what Paul is talking about here. And you know if you've been with us uh, at New Life for a little while, we talk on and on about this gift of grace that we've received from Jesus so that no one can boast. And yet some, not here hopefully, not here at New Life, but some have divided over spiritual gifts with some people suggesting that there are different levels of Christians, saying that some are marked by a different baptism even that gives them access to gifts that they associate with being more spiritual, the next level up from, I don't know, peasant Christians, I guess. Let's be clear. All Christians partake in the new identity in Christ that he has given us. All of us Christians, regardless of whatever experience they've had or haven't had, 
if we suggest that there's some sort of separate spiritual baptism that marks some as a different level of Christian or a different status, you not only miss the point of 1 Corinthians 12, it goes completely against everything that Paul is writing in this Corinthian letter. God has torn down walls that we continue to build up. So how do we go about doing what Paul is talking about here, achieving unity? Verses 15 to 17 read this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, you can hear this absurd image that Paul is talking about. You can look on screen and see an even more absurd image. It's, it's a little revolting to me, so that's why I'm not turning back, okay? <laughs> Some of you guys are okay with it. You know, maybe medical types are okay with it. But can you imagine this horrific being where the whole body is an ear, where the whole body is an eye, Imagine if this is your friend sitting next to you. Fellowship time will be very boring for you. You'd be the only one talking. Every part of the body is needed. And the same is true of the body of Christ, the church. Can you imagine if new life had only just one kind of gift? What would the church look like? What if we only had creative people at church? We'd have so many ideas, but we'd never get anything done. What if we were really gifted at singing and that was all we did? Very musical service. But have you tried listening to just singing for 24 hours straight? You get tired of it after some, maybe this is me, okay? Maybe praise team, you're a little bit different. Verses 18 to 21. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. What this passage tells us is that God is the one who's arranged the body in this way. God is the one who put you here at New Life. You're not here by accident. You didn't come just because your friend invited you. God brought you here. He's sovereign. This is what we talk about, right? God's sovereign power. What kind of God do we believe in? He's all-powerful. He knows all things. He brought you here. You didn't just graduate here. He brought you here. This is his work. And if you deny your place in the body of Christ, indeed, if you deny anyone else's place in the body here, well, you place yourself above God. You say that you're wiser than God and you deny his wisdom. We achieve unity when we place God where he should be and we agree with him on where he has placed the members of the body, where he's placed us, where he's placed the people around us. So what does this unity look like? The chapter reads this. Instead, God has put the body together giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there will be no division in the body but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So, 
If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Unity isn't just saying we believe the same thing or we accept each other, we tolerate each other. This isn't unity. You know, I think this is the world's version of unity. They just say, accept everything that I believe in. Unity is solidarity. It's such a deep concern for each other that if one person is suffering, you suffer alongside them. If they're hurting, you're hurting. John Calvin, he commented on this, that we should look after one another because anyone's shame should bring disgrace to the whole body. What we mean by this is that this kind of unity means that no one should suffer privately. If anyone's going through anything, we should lessen the burden on them. We should be walking with them. If they're having trouble praying, if they're having trouble believing, we should believe and pray on their behalf. We weep with those that weep. That's why we do life groups here, because we do life together. That means the ups and downs of life. Whether we rejoice, whether we weep, we're united as one. Now, the end of this chapter is the lead into uh, one of the most recognized chapters in the Bible. Um, perhaps even non-Christians know the next chapter. Verses 29 to 31 read this. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And so Paul concludes this section by reiterating that no one exhibits all of the gifts. We all need each other. This is the way to unity. When we're able to see that the different gifts and experiences that God gives to one member, we say that that's the move of God, even if we don't understand it. We're able to call their relationship with God authentic, even if they, their belief is in a different color from ours. Even if it looks very different, this relationship from ours, we say, hey, that's your relationship with God. That encourages me. It's different from this world and this culture which seeks uniformity rather than unity. But beyond the unity piece, there's this practical element that we do need each other. As mentioned, everyone has different gifts. Every single person is gifted with something. I personally don't have any musical talent, any musical ability. So I don't have confidence as well in making the live stream go or making the other parts of the service run. I don't think any of us could individually. We all need each other. There's a couple of things that we're gonna do uh, as the service goes on today. During the announcement time, we're gonna have the ministry directors come up and we're gonna have some ministry presentations. So you're gonna hear from them about the ministries that are on offer here at New Life. And you know what gifts you have. We have different gifts but the same spirit. That means that we might serve in different ministries, but we serve the same Lord. I encourage you to take part in serving the good of others and building the community here. So that's part one of what we're gonna do. The other thing that we'll do is we're gonna take up a collection for disaster relief uh, for Turkey and Syria. Uh, if you don't know, there were two very powerful earthquakes that happened and some aftershocks. You might have heard that during the pre-service prayer time. 
collapsed thousands of buildings. Last I checked, uh, which is several days ago, the death toll has already passed 21,000, uh, with many more injured, and those numbers are just continuing to rise. Um, let's be honest, we're very far removed from the area. You know, we who have much here in Sydney, we're untouched by the disaster for the most part. But we can help those that are affected. So I encourage you to give generously during that time, as together we can give in order to help meet the uh, needs of others, uh, of those that are impacted. But for now, how about I pray for us? Father, you're a God of all, of all unity, of all order, of all knowledge and wisdom. When we look to you, we know, Lord, that not only can our individual lives be ordered, but this here, the body of Christ here at New Life can be ordered. And indeed, it has been put in order because you've put each and every single one of us here. Many of us search the earth looking for a place to belong. Many of us struggle through all of our lives feeling as though we stick out we don't really belong anywhere. And yet, you, as the great God above it all, the wise one, the one who's sovereign over all things, you've placed us here. You've, at the very least, allowed us to hear from 1 Corinthians 12, and you've helped us, Lord, to identify the gifts that you've given us. God, you are spirit. And in your spirit, we find the spiritual gifts that you've given to your children. You're a good father who doesn't hold back any good thing from us. And we know, Lord, that these spiritual things can be used for the building up of our church here, indeed, the body of Christ. How amazing it is, Lord, that you've given this gift of grace, the life of your son, Jesus, that we might be born again into your family, that we might be called your, your children, your sons, your daughters, that you might lead us to call one another brother and sister. And in this, Lord, we find our gifts. Help us, Lord, by not only receiving the body of Christ through the sacrifice that he's given us, not only receiving the body of Christ here monthly through the communion, but help us, Lord, to build up the body of Christ through the gifts that you've given us. Would you place that urgency in our hearts to want to serve the body that we're a part of? Would you help us, Lord, to love the body that you've made us a part of? Help us, Lord, to seek you and to love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.